Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. I love you, my brother. That's a very dangerous statement to say, take your freedom, take your liberty to me. A Romanian coming all the way from, uh, who lived in communism for so many years. Um, Listen, before I even uh, go to to what the Lord laid on my heart, um, I want to share something with you and Pastor. (coughs) Would you allow me to share that, what I've seen in the spirit while we were praying? I, uh, as we were worshiping, <coughs> I just saw a lot of dry land here, a lot of farms that were dry, and the farms were all surrounded by, by fences. It was kind of like the f- farm fences, and they were, the, the grass was dried, and uh, the, the, the animals inside there, they were dry bones. And um, it was all over. And it was like a valley. And then it was the beginning also. There were the, the mountains would start to the right and to the left. And, um, and then this place. This place was green pastures. This place was a place where the grass was alive. It was so green. And uh, all, everybody was like eating and jumping. A little calf was jumping. And it was just an amazing, it was like an oasis. I mean, out of suddenly, I, I wasn't even praying for, Lord, show me something about this church. It was just this image came. And it was this green, incredible pastures here. And it was a big fence. And at the fence, there were different some ugly creatures that would come by and they would make noises over the fence. But they would, could not get in. They were not allowed to get in. They were like making all kinds of noises. But you know what was interesting? Nobody was bothered by it. Nobody was like, oh, you know, let's get away from the fence. They were like next to the fence eating and going. What an interesting noise. And they were like, keep, keep going. And it was alive and, and full of joy. And, um, and then what I, the Lord showed me was out of the other dry farms, there were some, the ones that were daring to jump over the fence. They were daring to jump over the fence because they were tired of the dryness. They were tired of just an empty life. And they were jumping the fence and everybody was like booing them. They were like against them. They were jumping and they were coming here. And they were jumping with no problems. They were jumping over the fence here. And they would become alive again. They would become, it was the only color. It was just color. So that's what the Lord showed me about this place. About the, because it's his plan. It's his doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. And I'm not surprised because, again, I, we, we do get to travel in, in different countries, my wife and I, and uh, we go to different churches, and you get in all kinds. It's like any other, you know, family. You go in, and there is some, some stuff, and there is some, some other families that you feel the joy, and you feel the peace. And I came here, and uh, as I pulled on the property, it was just life. It was just life. And I was telling, uh, and even now, I said, I love this church. I mean, I love this church. I could, if I would leave close by within an hour or two, this would be my home church. And I love your pastor already. I like he dresses a little European. I like that. <laughs> that surprised me because I talked to him on the phone and he sounded like a cowboy. <laughs> it's like, hey, brother, what you want on here all day? Hi, y'all all. And I'm like, okay, can you repeat this again? And then, uh, truly, I'll be honest with you, I thought, it's going to be this guy with big boots coming like this with a couple of guns, you know, that I've seen in the movies in Romania. I've never been in Louisiana, by the way. Never been in Louisiana. Yesterday, I stopped and I ate four big pieces of fried chicken because everybody told me, this is the place to eat fried chicken. 
So I stop and I ask the guy, I say, hey, what do you want? I say, four fr- big pieces of fried chicken. He looked at me and was like, four? I said, yes, four. And I ate them all and liked them all. So it's good to be here. And um, uh, just thank you so much, Pastor Dean, Patty. Thank you for having old Tietza and I here. We, uh, we are honored. And this is our family from, uh, from the United States, Rosie and Tom. And, uh, you know, the kids and the cousins and the nephews that we have. So it's, it's always good to, to be with them and have a, a great time. Um, what a name to have to be a pastor. Love? That's amazing, truly. Because I thought it's a joke in the beginning. It's like, Pastor, Pastor Love? And I said, Rosie, is it like a nickname? Or is it people love him and they, call, they nickname him Love? I said, no, that's his name. I said, he's a pastor? Yeah, he's a pastor. And I said, I love that. You know, uh, imagine if you would be interrogating for FBI. I'll be like, Mr. Love will interrogate you today. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Love. I want to tell me everything you, you, you know, and I'll show you some love if you don't. <laughs> imagine that. But he's a pastor. Some, some people are just blessed to have that name. And, you know, when, when my wife called me on the first name, it's bad. Remember our mothers, they would call us on the first name? You knew you were in trouble. He was never in trouble, I guess, because imagine Patty calling him, Love, I want to talk to you. It's so much nicer than... So it's, I, I was thinking about this, and I was like, this is so nice to have that name. God bless you. I wish I would be... That let me let me let me go into the message. But before we go into the message, I want to share some things about uh, just a little bit of history, what we're doing, why we're doing what we're doing, and um, the 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 message for today is the three reasons that these are great times for us. Uh, I just and it was a message that the Lord giving to me last night. I uh, never had it until today uh, and, and woke up with it and it was so alive and I knew it's, it's for all of us. Because we live great times. Times of opportunity, times of amazing opportunities. And um, as we will share that. But before we, we do this, this is, this is my family. You know, Altitza and I, we've been married for 25 years. Uh, we have four children. They're all growing. The youngest is 19 years old and he's... Uh, um, he already moved out, so none, none of them live uh, in our house. Praise God. We really enjoyed this season of our lives of not having kids. Now we're enjoying the grandkids and, uh, uh, because three of them are married and they have four grandkids. But um, this is where we, uh, we were born in Ro- communist Romania. I don't know if you probably have heard about uh, uh, our country and our dictator Ceausescu. He was one of the worst dictators. And he wanted to prove the world that communism is the way. Not Christianity, not democracy, but communism. So he decided to increase the population. How do you increase the population? In a country, we were already like 20 million. And he decided, I'm going to have 40 million people in my country in, in a record time. So he forbidden all way of contraception. He gave... Uh, he, Issues all kind of tax system to force families to have at least five children. And if you didn't have five children, you would pay so much taxes. In the meantime, he starts building this kind of projects. This is like the second largest building in the world. This is seven years of net, net income of Romania. This is billions of dollars. Invested from who? I mean, to, in order to do this project, because he did a lot of projects like that, he starved the people. We had to, this, is our, this was my childhood. These are photos that I remember until I was 16, 17 year old, 18 year old, sitting in lines. This is a public transportation. I remember when trams were coming, people were crowded. You see, even on the back of the tram, people are hanging in. We would go to school like this. It was, the streets were full. There was no, everything was gray. The stores were absolutely empty. Everything you see today at Walmart, and so that was normality for us. Actually, you still have some things on the shelves today. We had empty shelves, empty shelves all the time. Chewing gum was like heroin. 
we had to go to the worst neighborhood in town to get chewing gums. Imagine that. Go to a dealer to buy chewing gum. You, you, you just, you go into the bad neighborhood. There's a guy sitting on a corner. You knew he's a dealer, chewing gum dealer. And you, you go by him and say, I want two pieces. Then you look for the police. Then you, you'd come back. You take the money. You stop by him, get the chew, chewing gums, and then you run. Because you run for your life. It could be arrested. You'd be like, this is illegal. You know, going to watching a movie, for example, it was illegal. Because we had some people that would bring in movies from the United States, like, you know, Chicky Chan, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Rambo type of movies. And we were so excited about that. So we would watch those movies, but it was illegal. So it was a tough time. In schools, they would teach us. Almost every teacher will teach you there is no God. There is no God. Everything they say, it's a story. It's a made-up story, and it has nothing to do with the living God. It's a philosophy to manipulate people, to communism is the way. So you, you grow up with this. You hear it over thousands and thousands of times, and you think, yes, there is no God. There's, when there is no God, there is no fear of God. And when there is no fear of God, you do whatever it crosses your mind, and you end up being dry, you end up being bounded, and you end up being messed up. Because that's what happens when we get away from God. Every time we open a battle, every time we take a dose of something, we're looking for God. We just settle for less. Our lives were like that. I mean, it was like we didn't, it was just, I'll show you some, like this 30, I would say 50% of my childhood was in line for food. Sitting in line for bread, sitting in line for milk. You know, I remember there's a news like, hey, there's butter in the other side of town. We would go and sit like for seven hours in line. And the worst would be when you're sitting in lines and when you get to the counter and they say, it's over. We don't, we don't have butter anymore. And then you go home and, and, then, and then instead of your parents saying, oh, I'm so sorry, they would be like, Psh! why didn't you snake more? Why didn't you do this more? Why didn't you fight more? And so you live with this you know, fighting spirit and poverty mentality. It was those times. In order for, for him, for our dictator, to increase the population, he starts you know, issuing all this law, and we start having a lot of problems with orphans. People didn't want to have five children or ten children. They just didn't. They, want, they were like, no, I, I want one. I want two. So when they give, and so we had now a problem with alcoholism. And when they give birth to seven or eight kids, they would take the kids to the city hall, put the kids on the stairs at the city hall and say, you want it, you raise it. We will not, you know, we don't have money, we don't have food, raise the children. So as a result, we start having large orphanages. I mean, next to my school, it was an orphan, uh, orphanage of five to 700 kids. They were living there and they were all locked down and it was all over Romania, it was like that. I'll show you some images from the orphanages. These were, this is how they were living in beds. I mean, the smell there, you could not imagine. And uh, you, see, you see, those are images that the media took right after the revolution fall. In 1989, in December, the revolution fall. So we, we killed the dictator, I'll show you a little later, but this is how they found the orphans inside. Cold, smelly, I mean, it was, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of them. And uh, this is how they would feed them inside of the orphanages. They would take them outside. They would put some beds, you know, in the summertime. And they would be there hanging the whole time. This is like the playroom. It's worse than Auschwitz. And then in 1989, we had the revolution. And um, we, we, had, we said enough. I remember I went on the streets. I was 17 years old. I took my shirt off. It was cold. It was winter. And I said, we would rather die than live like this. And we fought for the, wisdom, for, the, for, the, for the freedom. And then you see there was a lot. The army came in. There was a lot of shooting. And we, we had the worst, the bloody revolution. And then we had people got, get shot on the street. We had 1,100 who died downtown Bucharest because they fought for their freedom. But we were ready. We were ready. It was too much. And um, this, this is an image of our dictator and his wife while they were being executed. On Christmas Day, 1989, uh, we were, they were caught, sent to a military base, 
people were on the streets, shooting was still happening, and we said, we, you know, whatever, there was a group of people, they decided, they were shot, they were killed, and uh, then the shooting stopped. And then, of course, all those orphans, what do you do? There's no money, now it's a democracy, there's nothing. Street kids, we start having street kids problem. I'm talking about two years old, four years old, seven years old, being on the streets, sniffing glue. Glue is a strong paint that you use to paint the gutters so they don't rust. So it's very, very strong. And they blew into those bags to, to numb them, numb their f f you know, f hunger. And So you're talking about thousands of them only around the train station. Bucharest is about 4 million people, and there's a big train station. Thousands of them were living there. Most of them were living down in the sewages. Uh, during the day, they would be out begging, stealing. Why would they live in the sewage? Because there is a hot water pipe system of the city, and there is a, it's warm there. We have cold winters. Our winters is like your Chicago, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota type of winters. Very, very cold. And they would go down there. So we start having this huge problems. Now, Oltitsa and I, we were not orphans, and as soon as the communism fell, we decided that we would leave the country. I decided that we would leave the country. I did forestry school, and I said, I cannot have a job. It's a long story short. It's a great job to be ranger, whatever you call them here. Uh, in Romania, it's a, it's a big money job, and then we decided, I decided to go to Germany. I started working in Germany, having a life in Germany, being successful in Germany. In the meantime, I became a Christian because I would have never stepped in a church like that. Why? The communists told me, if you step in a church, you are brainwashed, you are stupid, you are dumb. That's not a place. That's a place for manipulation. It's a place. So with this in mind, I would have never stepped in a church. But God works in a mysterious way, and he knew it would take a girl to take me to a church. And I got in love with a girl that would go to church. Now, she would go I was a DJ, I was in clubs, I wanted to have my own club and, you know, just partying all day. She would do that with me in the afternoon, in the evenings, but she would come go to church in the morning. Now, I didn't know she was going to church in the morning. But this, the Word of God, which is powerful and works so deep in our lives, cut, separated, and then one day she decides to follow Jesus, which really shocked me. It's a long story short. She struck me. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, our relationship was going so well, and now you're going to be in a church serving a God you don't even see? And we were having so much fun. And then she's like, yes, you don't understand. I said, of course I don't understand. It's something so dumb. How can I understand this? But she gave me the Bible. She gave me a Bible, and she said, the truth you find in there. And I thought, right. I was bothered by so many religions. Why there are Baptists? Why there are Pentecostals? Why there are independent churches? Why there are Catholics? And, and why is everybody saying that our religion is the right one? Why, why is everybody saying that this is where God is? Not there. So I was bothered. And then I had one question. What religion God has? Is God Pentecostal? Is God Orthodox? Is God Catholic? What is God? So, of course, with that in mind, I start reading the Bible. And the Word of God is so alive and so powerful. It starts filling me, and I start seeing things differently. And because it's the power of the Holy Ghost when you read the Word of God. And because the Word of God is powerful. And every, people are asking us, even today, how do you change an orphan life? How do you transform somebody who has is been messed up emotionally, messed up, you know, mentally? He has, he has no background. He has no, like, he's a... For people, he's a bastard. Everybody's like, yeah, there's a bastard. So he's, he has all this stamp against and now he's a new creature in Christ. He's a man that transformed the city. How is that possible? It's possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's possible because of the power of the Word of God. And these are the times when we, spend more, we should spend more time in the Word of God. Unfortunately, we spend more time on the news. And guess what happens? The voices we hear the most, is they, they influence us the most. So when you spend time on the voice of God and you listen to the voice, that's when you get out of there with hope and with courage. And with just like, Lord, you are in control. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. We have a saying, a teen challenge. We, you know, and it's a true story that happens. One of our guys was speaking in the church, was speaking actually in the park. 
and he was pouring his life and he was preaching the message of hope of Christ and 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 it was a park full of drug addicts and at the end of his message one of the drug addicts comes in and he says pastor I want to give my life to Christ and then he gave you know they prayed and at the end the guy says the, the drug addict says pastor I want your Bible please give me your Bible now this guy who preached one of our teen challenge guys he was he used to be a drug addict Hey, so he looks at this guy's eyes and he says, I know why you're asking me for the Bible. These guys are like, what do you mean? You want to smoke? You want to smoke it? Yes, pastor, I do want to smoke it. The Bible has a special quality paper that you roll it and I'm not giving any ideas now, but so he asked for the paper and the pastor said, you know, for whatever reason I, I will give you the Bible I will give you the Bible I will but if you make a promise before you smoke a page I want you to read it now this guy was living on the streets was a was a drug addict and he said this is the New Testament so this is where you start at Matthew smoke it the guy goes a few years later, it's a true story. A few years later, our guy is preaching in a church. At the end of the service, this guy comes, nice suit, great looking, gives the pastor a big hug, and he said, Pastor, remember me? Pastor said, I'm so sorry, I really don't. I said, You preach in that city, in that day, and I ask you for the Bible. And he said, Oh my, wow, what happened to you? Like, and he said, remember the promise? You asked me? Yes, I do. Well, pastor, I smoke Matthew. I smoke Mark. I smoke Luke. But John, John spoke me. It's the power of the word of God. Because it doesn't matter where you are, in front of the news, the bad news, viruses, whatever it is, has the same power. It brings life into our bones. It brings life into our heart in, and brings life into our spirit. And sometimes we sit next to a big refrigerator that has incredible food and we're starving. We're starving. We go, Lord, help us. Help me, Lord. Get maybe a piece of something for today. And the Lord said, open the refrigerator. I just filled it in today because his spirit is fresh. He's new every morning. So there's no, no warm-up food. There's no microwave food in, in spiritual food. It's you open it and it's all fresh. What do you like today? Good steak. We got veggies. We get, it's all brought in today. All you have to do is access it. Access it means you open the book or the application, whatever you have. And instead of watching too much, you spend too much and everything else will change. So I'll, um, while we were on the streets, we ran into a 14-year-old prostitute. And she said to us, um, they told Tiza and I, that, listen, I cannot raise him. At that time, there were a lot of uh, child trafficking. Little childs were, were sold on the market. Uh, mothers were selling their kids to different people. It was just a bad situation. So she told me, she said, I want to I wanna give this child. Long story short, uh, we, we, we had our seven-month-old daughter. We didn't even know how to raise a baby. And now this girl comes to us and says, I have a two-year-old, take it. So we're like, well, we're going to take him, this little guy. We thought it's a girl, actually. That's, this is the day when we shaved him because he had, like, long hair, blonde hair, and he was filled with lice. And he had so much lice, we realized we had to shave her, her head. We thought it's a girl until we took her in the shower. And in the shower, it was not a her, it was him. We're like, whoa, this is a little boy. And then we were like, what do we do, little boy? So we took him over to, to our house for... We said one month. That's what we were planning on. We was like, we're going to bring some stability to him, and then we'll put them in a nice orphanage. Because to be honest with you, again, it's not like our hearts were like, oh, we're looking forward to, to adopt kids. We're not that good. Let's put it that way. 
but God in you know, us, you walk in with him. There's stuff that comes in your way and you kind of respond and that God turns it into something amazing that only God could do. So, you know, 25 years later, if I'll show you, this is, this is your notes. This is our son. We adopted him. He's a drum player at the church. He's an incredible minister of God. He works for, for Teen Challenge, does an incredible job. He has a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. He told me not long ago, he looked at his baby daughter and he said, Dad, how can somebody abandon something like this? And he just starts weeping. He said, because he was thinking of his mom. And I said, you know, it's easy to judge. When you are in the middle of a tough situation, we may do some crazy stuff. But the fact that the Lord rescued you, that's what you should focus on. That's what we should focus on. Because the Bible says even your mother and father will leave you and abandon you. I will never abandon him. And, and, then, and then as we were on the streets, we met this girl. She was throwing up in a big fire. She burned 60% of her body. She was in a, in a burn unit. The doctors told me, take her. She will never be able to walk. We have to put her in a state orphanage, which she will die. She cannot smile. This was the best smile I got from her. How old is, do you think she's there? That's, that's pretty close. She was 11, but for, for us, she looked like a five-year-old. She wouldn't smile, and she was like... And, and you see her today, after all this. She's married. She has a beautiful... She can walk. She serves God. She has two beautiful f uh, sons. Only God could do this. And he changed their life forever. So in this process, we started, uh, this is in the sewage. We started the ministry for the street kids. So we would go down in the sewage. Uh, we would start, you know, having a relationship with them. And then in the sewage there, you see the guy in behind. He starts injecting heroin. It was a new thing for us in Romania. Uh, for us in the year of 2000, to see somebody injecting, you think it's a vitamin. You think he's doing something from the doctor. So you would ask him, what, what's that? And he said, ah, it's nothing. It's a little something. And so we had no idea. And then, but then we later we saw behavior. And we saw how they messed up. And then we decided at that time to start Teen Challenge in Romania. So that was the beginning of the, the two years of 2000s. And then... We, uh, we start keep reaching to them down in the sewage, and then now we have four centers. I tell you, four centers from the place where we, with nothing. We, when we went down on the streets, we went with a call. And never underestimate the call, because the call is everything. Usually the call does not come with the money. It's a small thought, frustrating thought, to be honest with you. But the call comes first. You respond to that. If it's a call to give, it's a call to help somebody. It's like you have so little. But Moses, what do you have in your hand? I'll turn that into whatever I want to turn. God is a God of multiplication. Plus two plus five does not equal seven. Two bread and or two fishes and five loaves of bread is not seven portions of food. It's for 14,000 people food because God is a God of multiplication. And it's amazing. Like for us, it was miraculous because every time we look in our lives and we see God providing and doing different things and hundreds of lives are being transformed. Well, when I say transformed is this. If you look at this guys, for example, he came to us. 40 kilos, so I don't know how many pounds is that, 100 pounds, like he couldn't stand, he couldn't read the TV, he was pooping on himself, it was a bad situation. He comes in, 17 years of hardcore addiction, heroin and methamphetamine and everything, and it's already, what, eight years, now, nine years now? He's one of my right hand. He's an incredible, trustworthy, fear of God, effective, full of like the Lord has just, he's using him amazing. And, and I'm proud of him because his name is also Catalin. So, of course, I'm, uh, but it's, 
you, you look at that, only God could do this. And then you see this guy. This guy came to us at Teen Challenge mentally sick. He was in the officer in the army. He started taking drugs. Methamphetamine messed him up a lot. And then at one point, he starts, his mind went off. His wife left him. He, he raped his wife. He did a lot of crazy stuff. Everybody was afraid of him. He was um, uh, forced to leave the army because three doctor commissions, the psychiatrist said, you're mentally sick and you have to be kept in state institutions for the rest of your life. He ran away from there and he hears about Teen Challenge. So he's like that guy that Jesus meets when he crosses, he goes in the other side, the, the gatherings, and a crazy guy goes in and scratches himself and self-destructive behavior and he, you know, nobody can chain him. So he meets, he comes to us at the center. So when he, I remember that day when he entered the door and I thought to myself, we will never, ever have somebody like this at the center. We'll be like, because it's too much. That's, I have a responsibility. I cannot kill the rest of the people just because I have a good heart. So I'm like, no, we have to. So I said, let's walk to the gate. Let me just walk you to outside. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, and then, I, of course, I went to the team, our team. I said, you start praying because we have a bad situation. It's a guy that is mentally disturbed. He wants to stay there. He doesn't want to leave the center. I have to kick him out. While they were praying, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, keep him. I send you this man, and he's a vessel of honor. He will be used mightily by my, my hand. So I'm, I'm hearing this, and I thought, is this my emotion? Is this my logic? Is it, what is this? And I keep, I keep hearing this, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Because he was together with peace. And it was a peace that surpasses all understanding. So the logic was here, was still there, but the peace was surpassing. That's when you know. And then I said, okay, let's, um, I called him and I said, uh, let's have the intake. Today, he's one of the most effective guys. I'm, I'm so, I really hope and I know the Lord already spoke to me before I came here that you will end up, some of you will end up in Romania in a mission trip. He will host you. He will do word projects with you. Catalin will do the same. Those are people of God now that only God can transform. And the last one is this guy who is now has a business. He was a drug dealer. He was like a, just a guy who was so messed up. And now he has a successful business. And he invests so much in Teen Challenge. He buys the food for us. He takes care of the, some of the cars for us. It's an unbelievable. Only God can do something like that. So we, you all know this. You, always, you all have somebody in your life like this. Or at least you, you've experienced it yourself. So it's so wonderful that we sit here this morning in his presence. And we say, Lord, what you're doing is so marvelous. So marvelous. Continue, Lord, to do this in our hearts. Change us every day. That we will never, even as we come here today, we should never leave this place the same way we came. If it came a little heavy, we should go out free and just jumping like the little coughs or what do you call them when you you know jumping on that green field that I saw if we came a little confused we should go home with peace if we came with fear we should go home with faith because that's what God is doing when we gather in his presence so um, I'll go I'll go to the message and again and I don't know, I don't think so. I have an image of our church, but we started also a church, which is downtown Bucharest. And um, I was sharing with, a, with Pastor Dean this morning. We didn't want to, we didn't plan to, have, to do a church. It was not on our radar. It was not on our call, let's put it that way. But the parents of the people were like, what happened to my kid? And we decided that we will have a parents' night. And then that turned into a powerful parent night. They're the parents of our guys, some of them have parents. They will give their life to Christ. And they will say, I want to come back. I want to get baptized. I want to, because when they hear the truth, they want more of the truth. And as a result today, we have about uh, three to 400 young people that come to the church, give their life to Christ. And it's, a, it's an amazing church in a town where there is not even 1% Christians. In, in, uh, out of 4 million people, we have 0. Not even 
0.3% Christians. So it's tough, but you know what? It's not tough for God. God's hand is not too short, and it's amazing what happens. It's the same like here. I looked at this, and to be honest with you, I was thinking, you know, looking, driving around yesterday, coming in here, and even this morning, I'm thinking, will 20 people be here today? Be honest with you. That's what I human, my human mind would be like, uh, maybe 20, maybe 40. And I come and I see this crowd and I see the spirit and I see the hunger and I see the genuineness and I see the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, this is such a cool place. Only God could do this. So I praise him for that. So let's go to the morning message. Three reasons why these are great times for the followers of Christ. And the first has to do with our heart. The first has to do with the way we see things. And remember, we are creatures of, we forget. I don't know you here in the States, but we in Romania, we tend to forget things. And, and I saw that, why is Coca-Cola still has commercials? Who doesn't know what Coca-Cola is? You go, to, you go to a small village in Africa or in Philippines, no electricity, yeah. nothing. And you say, Coca-Cola? But he's like, yeah, Coca-Cola. They know it. And they still have billboards all over. They still pay one billion. Why? We tend to forget. It doesn't matter how much we know, we tend to forget. So this is a great time because... Of this. It's not working anymore. Because we have the opportunity to have a fresh perspective of heaven. This is a fresh, this is, these are great times for a fresh perspective of heaven. We think that it's, it's amazing how we take decisions when we have eternity in mind. We are unstoppable when we take every decision of our life with eternity in mind. Not we just happened today, not with our economy, with eternity in mind. It's like going, we all need, I mean, I've never needed glasses until months ago. I could read, I was thinking in my mind, I said, why some people need glasses? Well, in the last year, when I read, I go like, well, what's going on here? It's like a foggy thing. And then they, I went to the doctor and I thought maybe, I was like, I reject the idea of glasses. It's not for me. Well, I'm wearing glasses now, reading glasses. What happens is I put them on and it's a new perspective. It's I see clear. These are times to really put things in the right perspective. What is the right perspective for us? It's eternity. It's heaven. We are not Christians for what we benefit from God here on this earth. The Bible says, whoa. You are in trouble if you trust God for only for this earth. It's about eternity. Jesus said, I pay the price not that we will do only better here. I pray the price that you will have a place in heaven. So it's an amazing. And this is a time when, when the words of James... And I will read you from James 4, 14. Just a part of James 4, 14. When he asks, and this is such a time when you read this. What is your life? James asks. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James is like, hey, do you want to know how, how, how much you're going to be on this you want to know how much you're going to be on this planet? You're just a mist. They will Yesterday, out of all the days, before we came here from Florida, we, we took the elevator. And, and at the bottom of the elevator where we stayed with our friends, it was this older guy in his 80s. I didn't even have this message on my heart yet. And he looked at Oltitsa and I. And she says, guys, take care. What did he say? Take care of one another. Enjoy life. Be full of joy because life is short. He was 80 years old. 
And he looked at me and he says, life is short. What a great reminder for us. What a great reminder to leave this every day with the eternity in mind. Now, people who have near-death experiences know that best. Because after they come back and they were so close to meeting their creator, they go back and they see things with different eyes. They don't put price on properties anymore. They want to bless more. They want to give more. They want to be a blessing to others more because they know life can go like this. I remember my dream was to become rich. I mean, when you live in a country like I lived and you, you, you had a chewing gum, one banana once a year was the best thing that could happen to you. My father would bring one banana around Christmas for me and one banana for my brother. I will never forget the joy of seeing a banana and eating. Just you open it like this and you just do this. And then you hold the banana right here until it dissolves in your mouth. And then you put back the, you peel it back and you put it there for the next day. So you take another. So with that in mind, I'm like, I'm not going to leave in Romania. I'm going to go and, so I want to have these dreams that I would go and, and, and have everything. I would, my dream was to have a CUV and things like that. In, in Romania, to have a CUV, I would have to work 270 years. Do you think I would live 270 years? So I'll never have opportunity to, to drive a CUV. So I had these cars that I started liking, and some of them were like Jeeps. And I was like, this is it. That's the car I want to have. And I left. Well, when I was in Germany, I met a billionaire lady. She had the first smart house. This was 1994, guys. The first smart house I've ever been. Everything is electronic. All the lights turning on. The temperature changes. Things coming out of the walls. And I'm like, what's this? And she just lived a nice Mercedes downstairs. Incredible. So I thought, this is me. This is me. The Lord is showing me how my life is going to be a few years later. If I serve him, if I take care of him. No, no, in a way, you know, for me, it was, was a true, I was sincere. I was taking a piece, a, a credenza, an antique piece of credenza to her house. That piece cost a lot of money. Certainly over 50000 $100,000, today. This was a piece of junk that my grandma in the village, in the middle of nowhere, probably she will have it somewhere in the, but she paid for it. So I was so excited because I wanted to see how a billionaire reacts to something so expensive and so nice. So I thought, here it is. I unveil it, unveil it and I said, what do you think? She looked at that piece and, and, and her face was like this. I don't really like it. You know how the Germans speak? The Germans, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. And I said to myself, you, my father has to work hundreds of years for this piece of junk. I'm thinking. And you don't like this. And she said, but I'll buy it anyway. So I was like, okay. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it says, this is going to be you when you'll be 70. 80, having everything, and that's going to be your level of peace and joy and satisfaction. This is what you want? I'll give you all this. I thought at that point, I said, Lord, no. I still want the, all my toys that I want, but not that satisfaction level. Well, I got out of there. That experience changed my life because later when I had to take the decision to stay in Bucharest, Returned to Romania because that's what we did. And, and, and the reason we returned because this woman here, you see that girlfriend that I met, uh, she became a Christian, brought me to church, gave me the Bible, became my wife too. So she decided, she said, if I would rather live a life, I would rather live a life that serves God in everything. To be a mom for these orphans, to be, let's be a family for them, let's work with them. So that for me was a sign, an indication that if, if a woman who, wants stability and needs stability more than a man does that, then I'm, who am I, whom am I to say, no, Lord, 
So we moved in Bucharest and we did all this. And anyway, that helped us take decisions. So the first thing that we, I consider, and I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us this morning, these are great times is because we have the opportunity to have a fresh perspective of heaven. Like when you know something is so close to you, when you know maybe I get it in the airport, maybe I get it when I go to the store. That what you do, it's like, it's almost like, for us, it shouldn't be fear. It should be like, Lord, you protect me. You are with me. And every, it doesn't matter how good it is, how safe it is, or how bad it is, my fate stays the same. My joy stays the same. My love stays the same. My everything stays the same because I am grounded in you. My feet are sitting on your rock. The second thing that these are times, great times, is these are times to completely trust the God we say we believe. There's two kinds of faiths. People believe that God exists, and he's there, and he's good, and he takes care of us. And there is people that have faith that God is involved in every aspect of their life. In every little aspect of their life. Those are people who trust God in everything. Those are people that trust God in every little things. So this is our time right now to really trust him completely. Not rely on anything else, but Lord, I trust. Not only that I believe in you, but I trust in every little thing for my life. One of my favorite Bible verses is Isaiah 26.3. It's on top three Bible verses. And it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. To whom God is keeping in perfect peace? To whom? It's the one that trusts in him. And because they trust in him, their mind becomes steadfast. And because their mind becomes steadfast, they are giving peace. And because they are giving peace, they are strong. And because they are strong, they have peace. And you see, this is like this Bible verse, like I cannot have it. I, I could tattoo this Bible verse right here. So people were like, what do you read? Isaiah 26, 3. It goes all the way here too. I love this. And you know, one of our examples is, you know, we are in great company. When stuff like this that happens nowadays, we are in great companies. Moses was, Isaac was. But Moses, if you remember, was at the end of his strength. Remember that day when Moses was at the end of his strength? He was, he was tired. Only bad news around him. He had a lot of opposition, a lot of fears, and he's overwhelmed. And he tells God, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Do I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant? To the land you promised on oath to their ancestors. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. I have not found favor in your eyes. And do not let me face my own ruin. This is, these are Moses' words. This is a desperate man. And many times, even when I talk to my friends back in Romania, because they're there, it's, a, it's kind of a bad situation. We, we left Romania some weeks ago before it got bad. Now everything is closed. We may end up living here in Louisiana for a long time. But it's like malls are closed, streets are empty, uh, stores are empty. It's, it's just total craziness. So it's, people have fear. They get a little overwhelmed. And... But I also talked to some people. They trust God 
And you hear this not only in, your word, in their words. Where do you hear it? When do you know somebody really trusts God? Right. It's in the spirit. They may say a few words, but those words, they are life. Yeah. They are like, they, because it's not here. They don't have a mental faith. They don't have a mental faith. They have a faith that comes from down here from the spirit. From inside their heart. It's so dangerous to have mental faith. Like the, what's his name? The sorcerer. Oh, you know, I've seen how God works. So this is what, you know, this is the formula. No. It's faith that comes from the heart. See, when you look at Moses here, you know we must trust him because we know his power. Moses would, as at the end of his strength, we will be at the end of our strength in some days. What do we do? We're going to stop and know he's God. And we say it's not by power. It's not by news. It's not by logic. It's not by all these things that I still have to do. Washing hands and, you know, not going. I still have to do. But it's not by these things. It's by your power, Lord. And out of that comes power and life. That every time we talk to, they get closer to God in a time like this. You know that everybody here calls you. Everybody that meets you today, they will either get closer to God or farther away from God. There's only two directions that every person that meets with you and talks to you will go. Where do, they, where do you want them to go? Be closer to God or farther away from God? It depends on what's in your spirit. It's in your spirit is faith. It's joy. It's love. It's long patience. It's kindness. It's, you know, all this, the fruit of the spirit. Then you will speak because the tongue speaks out of the abundance. That's the key word. Abundance. Not what is in the heart. It's what is in abundance of our heart. So let it be abundance. Let the Holy Spirit, even this morning as we are here, Lord, fill us. So we have our hearts full of joy and faith and love and all the fruit of the Spirit. So when we go out of here, we will spell. We will spell because we are so full. It's impossible. Have you ever put a coffee? I love to put coffee all the way to. So every time I do that, it doesn't matter how, how well I walk. I'm still going to overspell. So don't worry about your walk. You're still going to spell. Worry about what's in your heart. So let's just let him refresh us this morning. Let him fill us this morning. So when we will go out of here, it doesn't matter who call us or we'll talk to. They will be blessed. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? That's the answer of God to Moses' worries. That's the answer to God for us. Is my arm, says the Lord, too short? Now you will see, either or not, what I say will come true for you. Will come true for you. So this is the greatest, this is by far the greatest time to believe God's promises. To believe God's promises. You know, it reminds me, You've heard of C.S. Lewis. Back in the 1940s, it was a pretty bad situation. People were late 1940s. People were very scared of the atomic uh, bomb and all the, you know, here the people are in Europe. Because now the, the threat was imminent. And they thought they, that the World War finished, Second World War finished. And now they thought we're going to die because of the atomic bomb. They saw what happens in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And they saw, you know, how powerful it can kill people. And they thought, now we're going to get attacked by Russia and China, all this. And we're going to die. So there was a lot of fear. A lot worse than the virus today. I don't know if you know. The levels of fear were unbelievable. It was also because it was close to the Second World War. So that amplified. So somebody asked C.S. Lewis. They said, what should a Christian do when stuff like that happen. And he said, Christians should do what the primary church did when he was persecuted, 
what they did in the persecution of the Middle Ages and the craziness of Middle Ages, what Christian did in the First World War and Second World War, they took their eyes off the problem of the bad news. And they fixed their eyes on the promises of Christ for their life. Isn't that a great advice for us today? I mean, we should just look. How many promises we have from Christ? So many. So many. You will have tribulation, but I'm with you. I succeeded. I have victory and all this. The last point, these are the great times because this is a time to to become hope infestors. If there is a time to spread hope, this is a time to spread hope. More than the the sick people with virus, they spread their views. We should be the church that spreads hope all over. And there is a huge need for voices of hope. Um, You know, people should should think we're smoking something. It's a compliment. Neighbors should think these guys are whoo-hoo. This guy, something is wrong with them. When they say that about you in times like this, when they see you smiling and filled with joy and faith, they should be like, did you stop taking the medicine or something? Or what's wrong? Because this is the time to infect people with hope. I remember one of our guys came to the center. And, he, and again, this is a guy, Catalin was the, the thing. This is a guy who has been told for 17 years, once an addict, always an addict. When you hear it one time, you don't believe it. When you hear it 10 times, you go, mm. But when you hear it for 17 years, it becomes who you are. Because, oh, once an addict, always an addict. So he comes to our center with that mindset. And you know the Bible called, the, our mentality calls it the uh, wineskin. The wineskin in the Bible represents out the way, it's our mentality. Old wineskin, the new, the new anointing, the new is not going to be poured. New wineskin, new anointing. So this guy comes to our center and, and he's wondering, it's like, it's like, what are they smoking? Because they're happy, uh, they're very excited that we come here, they tell us we're going to be well and we're going to serve, we're going to have great families, we're going to be city changers. Something is wrong with them. So one day, he enters into an area where he was not supposed to. And in that area, we, we had a room where we would uh, plant seeds of tomatoes. We have a greenhouse on the property. So we grow tomatoes. Now, this is a city boy. He has never done, done gardening. He has never seen how tomato grows. City boys believe tomatoes grow in the supermarket. They grow on the shelves. So he comes in, he he enters the room, and then he sees lights, and he sees little plants growing. He looks at the plants and goes, marijuana, marijuana. Now I understand why they are so happy, because they're smoking all day. So he goes and tells everybody in the center, I know why the Teen Challenge staff are, I put my alarm to... No, my wife is calling me. Yes, honey, I will stop in a, in a second. It's okay. <laughs> I put my alarm to, to finish uh, in, in a couple of minutes. But um, so he told everybody, this, we are smoking something. I tell you, that was a great compliment. Then later, he found out, that actually, everybody else was like, are you kidding? Those are tomatoes. It's <laughs> like, no, they're not tomatoes. They're positive. They're marijuana. Look at them. So... Now he's raising tomatoes, he's selling tomatoes, and he's a great guy. But again, hope is one of the most powerful spiritual weapons. Did you know this? Hope is the most powerful spiritual weapon. When we, when we speak hope, because how do we become better with bringing hope? We speak hope. Everything that God starts, starts with a word. It is good. Let it be light. Let it be good. And then... So we have to learn from our Father. Because hope is powerful. Hope changes. Guys, we are not 
and this is what we have to understand, it's never the situation that brings hope. It's not what's going to happen after this virus, who, who will go? Who like three years from now, we'll be looking and be like, virus? Yeah, I remember something about the virus. Oh, I remember there was no toilet paper. That's what I remember. <laughs> three years from now, nobody reads yesterday's news. Satan knows that. So he magnifies this today. So we enter the panic when the Lord just want to give us his peace and his joy and, and just let us be salt and light like we heard this morning. We're serving a God of hope. This is not about circumstantial hope. You read Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope. He doesn't say, Paul doesn't say, uh, God brings hope. God will take care of hope. He says, God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may be found in hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, hope, when we say hope, we don't communicate knowledge. We communicate life. We should never lose the voices of hope. Hope is powerful. Hope is God. These are great times, guys. These are wonderful times. These are times that when we put new... New, we, we update our glasses. And we go, oh yeah, heaven. Now I see heaven a little clear. Now I see heaven a little clear. This is our time when we give an update to our trust in the Lord. We believe in him. We're coming to church. But now there's a level of trust that will raise. And these are the, 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 the days, the times, that we should spread a little bit of hope. A little more hope. A lot of hope. Because people need it. People live in darkness. This is a great opportunity. These are great times. Let's all, let's all stand up. And um, I don't know how, Pastor, how you want to, I will let you take, from, take it from here. But uh, um, I think if I would, would want to do something for me and my wife and my family here and now my new friend and you, if I want to do something, I would just open my heart and ask, Lord, fill us. Come and fill us with the Holy Spirit. So our hearts be filled in abundance with your peace, with your joy, with your love, with the faith. That everything we speak will be from your throne, Father will not be from our fears and our news. It will be from your throne. Because you are on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us life and life in abundance. Thank you for, in, uh, for times like this. That you work in our life and now working through our lives. That will not only affect our families with the hope and faith and love. But we will go to the end of the earth by Facebook, by whatever, to spread the, your goodness and your wonderful plans you have for us. And thank you, Jesus, for the everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for the eternal life. And thank you that you have us today at your feet to teach us, to encourage us, to take us in your arms and thank you for breaking, for, for healing the broken heart this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you will touch the girl that came so broken today and so tired. And because she came in your presence, you take her in, in your arms and give her life and healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the family that came fighting today and they will leave with your peace and your love that they will reconcile not only they will reconcile but they will be filled with your with your joy father they will bear much fruit to them father thank you for having us in your presence lord 
Fill us, I pray in Jesus' name. Baptize, Father, as we sit in your presence, baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us, Father. I just pray for the one that doesn't even feel that he's worthy of your presence. Father, speak hope into their hearts and wash them in your blood, Father, that they will be clean, that you will be pouring your Holy Spirit upon them, that they will leave filled with your presence, Father. Thank you, Lord, for having us here today. Thank you that you are in our lives. God of hope, kind Father, incredible God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's all pray as we are, where you are. Lift up your voice, your mind, your heart. Feel it, Lord. Immerse, immerse this place, Father, this morning. We want to swim in your presence, Father. We want to be covered like a cascade. Sendo la bacassiera tora bacava Onia setalava. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wind of the Holy Spirit that blows upon us this day. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.